With all the pressure that's on me now, I feel like I could have preached the greatest sermon in the world, but if I screwed up the, the fruit snacks, I would have, it would have been a failure of a day. So, so fortunately, we got that out of the way. Thank you for rescuing me. That's why, that's why it's always good when the uh, local pastor is here when, I, when I'm guest preaching. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen, dear, dear friends. The question that I asked the little children probably is a question that you were asked when you were their, their age. What is it that you want to do with your life? And the, I, I think these young people are, in some regards, very average. They would have offered the very similar things to what we would have said back then. For me, I'm 50 years old, and if you'd asked me when I was eight years old what I wanted to be, it would have been a sports announcer. I would have wanted to, to talk about sports. In fact, um, I was the kid, back in the old days, um, we had these tape recorders that were about this big, and you had to push the two buttons at the same time, the play and the record, and then the cassette tapes. Now, there are some in this group that I, have, I know I have no idea what I'm talking about. But, but, but there was the cassette tape, and I would talk into the little, it didn't have a microphone, I would actually talk into the little box as I was describing what was going on on the screen. A Milwaukee native, it would have been the Milwaukee Brewers. I would have been about 10 years old in 1982, the only time they've ever been in the World Series. Um, <laughs> and I thought to myself, this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. But God said, there's this guy named Joe Buck, and he's going to wreck your, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> there's this guy named Joe Buck who's going to be the guy. He's going to be the one on the World Series, and he's the one who's going to be on the Super Bowl. And even though his, he had mixed reviews for golf, I, I still think he's great. I, I think he's brilliant. And God, in his wisdom, said, Wayne, you still are going to talk a lot. <laughs> My family is fully aware. The students at the college where I work are fully aware. He used me in a unique way and one that I did not expect. He changed the scope of what I was going to do, and he changed, really, the value of what I was going to do. I think it's valuable and it's marvelous what, what people can do when I watch sports in real time and knowing the productions, the, the production meetings and l doing the research on the statistics and talking about things in real time and being able to describe those pictures. But what a blessing it is for me to be able to describe the pictures of the Bible and the scenes. And so the value, the, the scope and the value of, of what I do changed from when I was a child. But I've come to realize it's more valuable than what goes on on television. And the truth is, whether you are Pastor Tim or Rev Shev, who stands up in the front of people and shares the gospel, the truth is, is that all of you have a very vital job. Now, some in this room might be retired, and so you might say, my job is done, thank you. But the reality is, is I come in here today and seeing the young people who are, sitting, who are sitting on the floor in front of me and looking into their eyes, it makes, us, makes me realize that there is still a great job that God has for us to do. And so as we contemplate our first lesson for today, I can't help but think of Moses. I, I, was, I would be curious, as Moses was growing up, and they would have asked him, what do you want to be when you grow up? Well, he knew his heritage, that he was 
a Hebrew living in Egypt. He was rescued and taken out of the Nile River and lived in a palace. And my suspicion is that in the back of his mind, he thought that there was going to be a day where he was going to rise up and be great, and he took it upon himself while he was watching a slave driver. And he killed him. And he thought, maybe this is the time. Maybe this is my destiny. When I put into practice all the things that I've learned from, from my history and who I am, and this is what I'm going to do. But it wasn't the time. He got exposed by his own people. He went on the run. And in Genesis chapter 3, he is called by God through a burning bush, which would seem to me, if God is talking to me with a miracle, that I would be paying attention. But what did Moses do? He came up with a bunch of excuses. I'm not good at that. I don't want to do that. This is going to be too hard. I'm not a good speaker. But God said, I have a job for you that has a huge scope and it has great value. And so you're going to do it. Now, God doesn't speak to us through burning bushes and God doesn't come and tell us exactly what our lives are going to look like and how our careers are going to turn out and how many years we will live. He doesn't reveal all of those things to us. But just like Moses, he's given us a great job. Now Moses, the scope of his job ended up being huge. It's, um, okay, um, prep the people of Israel with this meal and take the blood of a lamb and smear it over the top of your door and then the rest of the people in, the, in your area who don't have blood on the door, will all, their firstborn will die. And then you better be ready to run. Moses, Moses gives this instruction. The people do it. The Passover takes place. And now Moses is in charge of millions of people on foot trying to escape from the Pharaoh and the army of Egypt. So we have a sea to the north, desert to the south, an army from behind, and a sea in front. And the Lord takes those people through the sea and rescues them and puts them on a path to the promised land. Now, of course, the promised land uh, map was long and winding, 40 years worth of time out in the wilderness. And God had revealed to God, to his people, here's how I want you to live, here's how I want you to worship, and here's what you do when, you're, when your friend's uh, mule falls into a cistern. Um, You've you got to pay it back. You've got to give him two mules. Everything that you could imagine is in Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers. And Deuteronomy, then, is Moses' last will and testament, where he basically regurgitates all the things that we had in those previous three books, and he says, friends, we are now on the brink of the promised land. I'm not going to see it because I was too full of myself. Think how often I'm like Moses. God gives me a responsibility, and instead of just doing it humbly and faithfully, I'm full of myself. That I think that I am the one who is in charge and in control, and I miss all of the opportunities and beautiful blessings that God opens up to me. I focus on how is this going to affect me? How am I going to benefit from it? Rather than saying, how am I going to benefit others? How am I going to step into their world and make a difference and make a change? So Moses gives this last will and testament. 
And he tells his people that they are going to go on into the promised land. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of the peoples of the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. Think about that. Those people were his treasured possession. We two friends are his treasured possession today. He cares for us. He loves us. He does want what is very best for us in spite of all the things that you might be writing on the back of your connection cards, all the heartaches that you might be feeling. But he's there to walk alongside of you, to guide you, and to give you comfort. In those days of celebration, I pray that we go to him with thanks for those things and not just think that, look at what we have accomplished and what we have done. Because the scope of our job continues to grow and increase and is very valuable. And so Moses says, here's what's going to happen. You are going to move into that promised land. And there's a generation that he was able to witness that was going to go. That was going to go into that promised land to live free. And I pray to live thankfully and with the great responsibility of God's word that they had been entrusted. When I go around to area congregations, I think to myself, the scope of our job is tremendous. Why? Because we've been entrusted with the beautiful word of God. We've been called by the gospel. Some of us were called by the gospel in a baptismal font similar to this. Maybe it was three weeks after you were born. Some of you maybe are here for the first time because you had a friend that invited you to come and hear about Jesus. You see, that's the huge scope that we have in our task. That we continue to bring people to hear the good news of Jesus so that the promised land is a thing that doesn't seem so radical and unattainable, but that it's a thing that is there for every single person. And maybe we are the missionaries, and maybe we are the inviters that introduces our friend, maybe our, our family member. Those, those conversations are always so difficult to have, but we continue to build each other up because the scope of what is out there is so great. We think of Carbon Valley and the opportunities that are here. And we have people who go in other places and share God's word. And they go around the world and share God's word. So that more and more people of every tribe, nation, and tongue will have the goodness of their God for an eternity. To get out of this world that's full of so much, so much hostility and tumultuousness. Famine and war, disease, all of those things that break our hearts. Our Savior has mended them for us. Now the people of Israel, they would, they would never see it. It would be another 50, roughly 1,500 years before Jesus the Savior came, but they relied on a promise. And in many regards, we don't see the actual fulfillment. We don't, we don't see the actual results, but we know that heaven is out there and it is waiting for us. And so the scope and the value of our job in this generation is to love all of those children that were sitting 
on the floor a few minutes ago. And I realize uh, some of you don't pay for them. They don't live in your house. Many of you have done those tasks and those jobs. Now maybe it's just the spoiling aspect. Um, for some of you, maybe it's, yep, I, I, I saw these 20-some children and I've, I've only known them for a few weeks. But here's the deal. This, the scope of this job is big because this generation needs to feel safe and they need to feel comfort. And the greatest place that they're going to find that is in homes and hearts from the people around them who love them, who have peace and comfort themselves. And then the prayer is that they would continue to grow in their, in their faith, and that as they want to be race car drivers and artists and all the wonderful and beautiful things that they want to do, that they find not just the value in themselves as individuals, but, but they see the value of the gospel. They see the value of Jesus in their lives and how he changes perspective and makes it all different for each and every one of us. And so I, 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 could, you know, I couldn't help but think about Moses and the, and the scope of his job, the, the, uh, the civic leader, the spiritual leader, being the guide in everyone's life. And it would be great if... if Somebody would be there to guide everybody in every direction. Follow the law. Trust in Jesus. See the miracles that he does. Know that he is living and active in your life. But we have the tool that is necessary. We have the word of God that we can go back to each and every day. And sometimes when you hear the word job, it sounds like a labor, but my prayer is that this becomes a labor of love. That we continue to expand the scope of the mission and ministry here at CVL. Sounds like it's going to be on race cars. Um, So that more and more people know and understand, and they're not just drawn to a building, but they're drawn to the people. And they're drawn to the people because they believe that Jesus is their Savior. And they're drawn to the cross of Christ where all of our sins are placed and know that they are taken away. And that through Jesus' glorious resurrection, we have a victory and we have eternal life. And therefore, we have the strength to live each and every day. I can only imagine the strength that Moses needed in order to continue to lead these people. Man, when he was getting the first rendering of the Ten Commandments, he didn't even get down to the bottom and they were already breaking the first commandment really well. They had already figured out, yeah, you shall have no other gods? Already got one. We got that gold calf. Do we have those gold calves that get in our eyesight that we want to follow? That we put our trust into people or things or into ourselves? Fortunately, the job is complete for us. The job of salvation isn't something that we're able to accomplish on our own. It has been done for us. But the job of sharing the good news, the wonderful message, the joy and the celebration that we will all have when we reach our promised land, well, that's what we're entrusted with. I get the privilege of hanging around with college students and high school students 
for three quarters of the year. Uh, they do wonderful and marvelous things. Many of them have been entrusted with the Word of God that has been placed on their hearts. Others of them, when they come to our college, maybe it's the first time that they're being exposed to a Savior who loves them unconditionally, who sees them for who they are, sees them as special and unique gifts of God who are going to go out and be awesome and make a difference in the world. And in many regards, change the world. Not change the world because they might become a, a president or a politician. And not because they cure a disease, but because they have the great job that has been given to them of being God's child. The privilege of knowing that they are his own and then to go and share that good news with a new generation. Because they are the ones who need our prayers. We continue to guide them and guard them and keep them safe and grant them comfort. Comfort that only comes through Jesus. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commands. May we be the generation that continues to spread that gospel so that the next generation may understand the peace, the joy, the love that comes through Christ our Savior. To him be the glory now and always. Amen. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you today and always. Amen.